Okay, well, this is one of the podcasts in the Reclaim Regret series. You'll recall that Reclaim Regret is a wonderful book by Sister Catherine James Hermes, who's a daughter of St. Paul. And I have with me another daughter of St. Paul who has been reading the book and is going to share some of her thoughts. This is Sister Germana Santos. Thank you for joining me, Sister. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm delighted because I know that you love this book as much as as I do, and the cover in particular of this book as much as I do, but you had some interesting thoughts about the title, and I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yes, um, and I do love the book. I've known Sister Catherine for many years, and I've always been impressed by her writing, which is so creative, but also so profound and so deep. And, and I, knowing Sister Catherine, I know that it comes from her heart. So whatever she says, she has prayed over, she has thought over. So I'm very inspired by it. But yes, the title impressed me. And um, well, it actually made me wonder first what it meant. But then it reminded me of something. In the last three years, I lived in London, in a place just outside of London. And every time I flew back into Heathrow Airport, I was always curious and intrigued by the fact that the baggage claim area in Britain, they call it the baggage reclaim. Oh, isn't that interesting? We say claim and they say reclaim. Right, exactly. Which really does have a different meaning, doesn't it? Well, it does because when we think of claim, it means that we take ownership of something. Right. We claim it. And yes, we do claim our, our baggage. But to reclaim means that it's already ours and we're simply taking it back. We go to the same area to bring and it And in back. a sense, acknowledging that it's ours. Precisely. Saying, this bit of luggage belongs to me. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, right. and thinking about the book and then reading through it, I realized what Sister Catherine was doing. I think what she's doing is helping us look at ourselves, all of us, at our past, especially those things that are difficult, um, especially regrets or or pain or sometimes even trauma that we might have undergone in our past. And in order to be free from those imprisoning painful situations, we sort of have to look at them and reclaim them. Mm -hmm. Reclaim them, bring them out into the light, be conscious of them so that they can be healed. They can be healed in the light and they can be transcended and healed in the light of God. Before the um, show, we were talking a little bit about some of the things you've learned from doing spiritual direction with people around hurt and pain and regret. It's an amazing and very humbling experience to work with other people because we see so much of ourselves in the people that we help, first of all. But secondly, It's walking on holy ground. I always found that to be the case. So I have great respect for everyone that I worked with. But one of the things that I noticed is that whenever someone reached the point of having to disclose a painful circumstance, some very, very difficult event Mm -hmm. in their lives, many people found it so trying that they would stall, they would stop, they would be silent for a while. Sometimes you actually see them wringing their hands and just getting so nervous. And we do too. I did that too when I was doing my own personal work of self-knowledge. And sometimes it can even happen in confession. 
in the sacrament of reconciliation. That's what I was thinking when you were saying that, that, that that's a moment when you're bringing up things that you normally want to keep hidden from people. Exactly. And it's really painful to do that. No matter what, how painful the memory itself is or the, the situation itself, the act of bringing it up is painful. Exactly. Because of shame. We are so, we feel so ashamed to let someone know of our vulnerability, of our sinfulness or of our hurt and of our pain. And in the case of this book, we're speaking about regrets. So I've noticed that in my work, but once the person finds the words to express whatever it is that was difficult, there is an enormous sense of freedom that they experience and Mm -hmm. that we all experience. And I think we've all heard stories of people who perhaps were away from confession for so many years and have the courage to go back and talk about their regrets and their sins and come out free enough to be able to dance down the street. I'm exaggerating, but um, not not necessarily. (laughs) There's a great sense of freedom in that. So I think that's what Sister Catherine is doing in Reclaim Regret. She's helping, she's hoping that whoever reads it can really undergo this work, this inner work of allowing themselves to open up their hearts and especially the areas that that are difficult and bring them out into the light, as I said a moment ago, and work through whatever it is that keeps them somewhat imprisoned. from God, right. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that you brought to me that I had not heard of and didn't know anything about, but you said that this all reminded you of a story yeah. by Hawthorne that I, I didn't know this story. So I would love for yes. you to share, share a little bit about that and even read it if you wanted to. Yes. Um, well, the story is well known, and I think many people read it in school. It's called... Um, the Minister's Black Veil, and it's written by Nathaniel Hawthorne, the American writer. And it's really a parable or an allegory about a minister. His name is Reverend, who lives in a small New England town. And one Sunday morning, the people are summoned to the, to the church by the bells. And Reverend Hooper walks in. And everyone gasps because he actually has a black veil across his face. And people just don't know what to make of that. Of course. It is. It's, it's, um, for some, it's strange. For everyone, it's strange. But for some, it's frightening. Some snicker. There's so many responses to that. One old woman said, I don't like it. He has changed himself into something awful only by hiding his face. And someone else in the congregation says, our parson has gone mad. And, and the other amazing thing is that this Reverend Hooper was somewhat of a mild man. But now with this veil across his face, his words became much more powerful and ominous and dark and... And, and frightening, it sounds like. And, and frightening, right. exactly. So the congregation was very, very confused and questions swirled around people's minds. What happened? But Reverend Hooper never gives an explanation of why he has this veil on. And and as a result, people conjecture. They try to figure out what caused them to begin to wear a black veil across his face. 
And without information, people think the worst. So the, this story reminded me of what we sometimes can do in our own lives without wanting to. We can create masks. We can put on veils that hide what we are what we find difficult right. to What face. we don't want people to see or what we don't want to see, yes. Exactly, exactly. Sister Catherine says in her book, many of us excel at putting up a facade to protect ourselves. We embrace our pretenses, defenses, games, ploys, or idealize self-images as though they were real. And in a sense, it's kind of what the veil here could represent. Right. The minister's black veil. It's this facade, this covering that keeps us from really knowing ourselves deeply. The black veil was also a way of isolating other people. So Right. It was keeping it was keeping him from expressing his true self, but it was also keeping others from seeing his true self. So it was isolating on both ends. Exactly. So much so that his fiancée, Elizabeth, moved away from him. She, she literally left him when he refused to take the veil off. I even don't blame her. her. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So it caused isolation. It caused loneliness. Mm-hmm. And to the very end of his life, he wore that veil. And at the end, he also began to see that everyone else had a black veil on their faces. Right, right. So we've got this this image of this um, veil of these things that that we put up because we don't want to face um, some of the regrets and some of the pain and some of the things that we have or have other people do it. So what happens when we do face it? Obviously, this is a really painful thing, too, is to Mm -hmm. when you're reclaiming regret and you're facing the things that shame you or that are painful. I suspect that tears would ensue. Tears do. And... I want to say something about tears, which I find so amazing. But before I do that, would you ask me about the tears in a moment? Because I want to just mention how Sister Catherine's book also leads each one of us through this beautiful journey of removing that veil, of allowing us to look inside, but to do it in the consoling presence of God she has such a warm way of speaking of God as the lover, the one who truly, truly cares for us. And as long as we have that trust, we will be able to look even at our darkest secrets as well as... As well as the things that, that we do feel good about. And exactly. what I love is, is the subtitle where she says, you know, you see your disappointments, God sees your future. And that's exactly, exactly this sense of it. And, and it's what you were talking about earlier about going to confession and going to spiritual mm-hmm. direction and getting sort of freed from, from that, that part of this reclaiming regret is letting it go because God mm-hmm. loves you and doesn't want you to be burdened with this. Exactly. And you are beautiful in his eyes. There are so many scripture passages that speak of God's consoling presence in our lives. So a minute ago, you asked me to come back to this, but I think it's really important to talk about this issue of tears because that's part of the sense of being liberated from your regrets and your sins and your past and your mistakes. 
Um, and you just mentioned to me before the show that um, Pope Francis wrote about it. So I'd love to hear some more. Yes, it's true. Um, yeah, first of all, tears are, are very healing. And they're a way sometimes of releasing what keeps us so imprisoned. But Pope Francis amazingly speaks o- often enough, I think, yeah. yes, about this gift of tears. He calls, them that, calls it that. And it's actually very Ignatian because Pope Francis, as we know, is a son of St. Ignatius, and St. Ignatius of Loyola himself used to urge his confreres to request a gift of tears. And Ignatius recounts how often in prayer and in celebrating Mass, he received the gift of tears. And isn't, I don't want to interrupt you, Sister, but I just want to say, isn't that so much close to this title because the gift of tears sounds like an oxymoron to people. Why would I want to cry? Crying is negative in the same way that reclaiming regret. Why would I want to reclaim regret? It's negative. Mm -hmm. And yet what this is showing us, as does a lot of Christianity, is that it's not quite the same as what you think of in in day-to-day life, that, that God does different things with it. Yes, it's very true. So tears can release the heaviness that we can carry sometimes, but tears can also be tears of joy. And in fact, Pope Francis says that we can ask for this gift when we plead with God to help others, when we recognize our own sinfulness, or else when we contemplate the greatness of Christ's sacrifice. We're moved by it, and we can sense this gift of tears. And he said something once that was extremely impressive, and I was so moved by it. Pope Francis says that tears are the only true response to the question of why the innocent suffer. This is so impressive. Sometimes the only thing that can be said in the face of suffering is simply silent tears. Which really does answer that central question around Christianity of the problem of pain and how, how, do, we, how do we respond to pain and to a God that, that people say, well, well, how does God allow pain? And what he's saying is you respond with your heart and not with your mind and figuring it out. Exactly. When I conducted spiritual direction and counseling with others and the person that I was working with expressed something very painful and expressed it amid tears, I too felt quite moved. And very often tears would come into my eyes. And I think that if I, a human being, can feel such such sorrow and connection with this other person, how much more God can feel right. our own heart hurting. And he can console us. And you had another quote about tears that I found very, very touching. What was that? This was, again, from Pope Francis, and this was at a morning Mass at uh, Casa Santa Marta, where he celebrates Mass every morning, and he told the group there, you see, sometimes in our lives, the glasses we need to see Jesus are tears. And he says, all of us in our lives have gone through moments of joy, pain, and sadness. We've all experienced these things, and we shouldn't be ashamed to cry. And again, tears reflect so many emotions, not just the painful ones, but even the joyful ones. Exactly, exactly. 
Well, I want to say we've been talking about um, Sister Catherine James Hermes' book, Reclaim Regret. This is one of the series of the podcast, and I've been talking with Sister Germana Santos. I want to thank you, Sister, for joining me today and, and sharing your ideas about this book, which I strongly recommend if you're listening to this podcast to read the book. So thank you, Sister, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. And I, too, like you, recommend the book very much. It's very strong. All right. And we will, we will see you for the next podcast. Until then, God bless you all.